Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Podcast is Sockway Trust. I'm Jimmy Trash Cake, Cream Cheese Cutter, Nico Conrad, also known as Jim, alongside the Heartbreak Kid, also known as Hollywood Heath Pierce. And we got a lot to talk about, like always, messy doing messy things. And I've got a lot to talk about FC Cincinnati because they blew that 100% mm-hmm. in losing the Open Cup semifinal. And now into Miami or into yet another final of a competition. Messi has not lost. And then we got Houston Dynamo also booking their ticket, beating Real Salt Lake in the other. U.S. Open Cup semifinal. We're going to have a preview of all the big matches around the world. Forlorn Balogun looks like he is going to make a move to Monaco. And a lot of fun stuff, like always, on the show. But uh, Heath, new backdrop for you. I really, really like the palm tree behind you. It's really nice. Very yeah, I'm in, my, I'm, in my, I'm in my bedroom uh, doing this. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's trying to create a little more... A little more vibey. Uh, <laughs> Do you so, have pants on yeah. though? I mean, if you're in your bedroom, I feel like everything everything's just a lot more relaxed. Are you? I, I've I've got shorts on, but like given today's context, like these are sleeping shorts, these are workout shorts, these are like go to uh, go to like a nice dinner shorts. Like that's become <laughs> the world over the last couple of years. Is like the 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 athleisure short has become like the universal like you know, showing up to the grocery store in your pajamas type thing, except it's appropriate now. You know? <laughs> well, shout out to uh, Viore, a former sponsor of the show, because I'm pretty sure you're probably wearing those. But yes, they're definitely leaders in the athleisure scene. All right, let's get into this first semifinal. I got a lot to say about it. FC Cincinnati. <laughs> by the way, not- hold on, Jimmy. What? I'm getting what? attacked by this real European patriot uh, about like just wanting to address me saying, saying uh, about Miami. Miami were so bad, but they, they bad. got magic. Yeah. I don't know why I'm being like, why whoever this is, is attacking me for this. Uh, like in the comments. Like, they, yeah. Like we, there's only so many times we can say somebody blew the lead uh, before we have to blame the team and the fact that they've got the greatest player of all time. But yeah. Listen, it's, listen, it's a mix of both. We, we, we heard yeah. from Pat Noonan, the head coach of FC Cincinnati on Tuesday saying, we're going to do our best to contain Messi. And in fairness, I thought that they did. However, he added, and I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember word for word what he said, that in the 89th minutes, Messi can pull some magic out of his butt. And guess what happened? Messi pulled some magic out of his butt in the 89th minute. I do think they actually defended him quite well. My problem with FC Cincinnati was not that that moment. They they should have put that game away way before that. They had like three, four attacks where they could have just like combined one time and just go to the corner. Just go to the corner just keep the ball. Like they had the this- funny thing is, is like, oh man, everybody, everybody is like, thinks I'm like anti Miami. I'm not like I'm not anti Miami either. We're just I, we're I just- wrote it out because I had my predictions of of uh, Houston against Cincinnati, and I was so close. My my that is just my ego talking. But I mean, I, obviously, I, I, listen, Heath. On Tuesday, I predicted Miami and Houston would get into the final. 
and I was right. But still, it's not even about liking or disliking Miami. It's more about FC Cincinnati's lack of in-game management. It is so absolute amateur hour bullshit. Like, take the ball into the corner yeah. and just kill the game off. Listen, Miami was dead. They were dead yeah, the but whole Dallas, game. Jimmy, I'll tell you, Dallas did the same thing. Dallas, same thing, could have grinded out that game in the League's Cup, and they were way up in front, and they kept answering back anytime Miami had an answer, and then they just, outside of, like, punching back, they then didn't realize how to just, like, see the games out. The game out. Like, see the game out. Yeah. Wait, that's when you need a leader I mean, what a ball field. by Messi, though, dude. That oh, ball sick. is so sick. So sick. Dude, that's I mean, a – he makes it look like it's an easy ball, but that's, like, a top players in the world. That's maybe one out of – on that type of precision, one out of 20, one out of 30 uh, uh, opportunity there. Well, and he did it one out of one in stoppage time. This goes back to my argument, by the way, around Charlie, which is, like, you show me somebody – who does this this consistently. And by the way, you can go back and watch La Liga. You can go back to France and watch. Like It's not like this is exclusive to, to Major right, League Soccer. Right, right, this right. is one of the few players that is taking games on his shoulders at any moment in the closing moments and the biggest moments and delivering like a one-of-one one package to keep his team into the games to go on to, to win. It's unreal. Also, also we should mention that he had assist on the set piece that got him their first goal, right? Which started to mm -hmm. shift the momentum a little bit. And I think that Pat Noonan will regret making some subs that he made. He took out his front three. And I know that, and I saw his press conference afterwards, he said that some of those were unplanned. Guys just couldn't run anymore at that point, Lucho Acosta included. And if you had an Acosta on the field, I bet you they'd find a way to get a result. But with regard to that last assist, if you watch that last assist to make it 2-2 right before they get into extra time, Messi actually... Like, he passes it like he took a shot. Did you see him take off of his – like, you know, usually when you hit a pass, you don't, you don't leave your plant foot. But when you, when you, when you shoot, they, uh, they tell you technique-wise that you should be kind of launching off your plant foot to get more power. And he did that on the pass, the back mm -hmm. post to Kempot. And I was like, what the hell am I even seeing? And Alvis Powell, who came on as a sub for Cincinnati, who is known for being a pretty good lockdown defender. I mean, in those situations, you know you're coming on as a sub to do one thing. That's defend. Even his positioning wasn't bad, but yet Messi found a way to have the perfect way. To, I mean, Campana didn't have to do anything. He was like a, a backboard of, of, an, you know, of a basketball. All Just he a, had you know, to do <laughs> is not panic. And yes, deep yes, down yes. in his heart, he wanted to panic because, you know, in that moment, it is so perfect that, like, you don't know. Like, rarely in a game do you not have to, in any position, right? adjust your feet to make the play, right? It's a lot of footwork. It's a lot of just changing of angles to have your right body in the right position to make the play. And then especially in front of goal, like when a ball comes to you that perfect where it basically just has to hit you in the head, I think a thousand thoughts go through your mind in that moment. But to free up on the back post, like I think that's pretty poor defending to not have some sort of pressure on the ball. Like I get numbers yeah, behind yeah, the ball and yeah. keeping them deep, like right. coulda, woulda, shoulda, but like, Still, that gap between Gaddis, not blaming him. Like, that's 1v1 defending, losing your man on the back post in the closing moments. It's just all those things. But having said that, like, you can point to all the defensive errors. But the reality is, is messy is messy. And it's, like, beyond comprehension of, like, you know when they try to explain, people try to explain, like, uh, the fourth dimension of the world, whether that's spirituality or like faith-based things. And you can't like the idea you can't comprehend <laughs> because you think in three dimensional right. world, like right. that's explaining messy is like the things that happen. You want to, like, we all want to point to this. We want absolute, right? We want to point to something that goes like, that's why bad defending. They should have closed it out. Those things. But he still has the ability, no matter, you could have done that, but there'd still be that small little margin that the greatest player, at least in my opinion of all time, because I got to witness it, um, is able to do something like that is 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 insane. It's insane. I, I don't want to take mind, anything yeah. away from Messi, and I'm not anti-Miami. I put the – I went on a rant on Twitter, and people were like, well, you do not want Inter-Miami to win? I'm, I'm thrilled for Inter-Miami, and they're going to host the final, and I'm thrilled for Paramount Plus because they get to show the game, the big final, which is actually going to be at DRV Pink Stadium and not Hard Rock. I thought they might move the final to a bigger stadium so you could – really maximize it, but they're going to keep it at their normal home stadium, which I actually have a lot of respect for. And um, so I'm excited for Paramount Plus, and you're going to get a good game against a very good Houston Dynamo team. But, but God, Messi's he's incredible. And I will say that FC Cincinnati, I thought they defended him really well. He was dropping super deep to go get the ball, to try to have an impact, to have an influence. 
He was standing right next to Sergio Busquets for <laughs> when the team was in buildup. And I couldn't believe that he wasn't finding those gaps because Cincinnati were doing a good job on that. And I think Pat Noonan had mentioned that they'd watched the Philadelphia game, that they had watched uh, other games. Oh, excuse me, not the Philadelphia game, the Nashville game in the Leeds Cup final and thought that Nashville had done really well in, in making things a little bit more predictable. And despite that, this is what makes it impressive. And to your point here, Heath, is that Messi had a quiet game and he still had two assists. <laughs> like, like he was relatively quiet, didn't score for the first time. And, and, or maybe for, did he not score in another game as well? I don't even know, but it always seems like he has a goal and something. And I know he scored a penalty in this one. So for all those people that think that that counts, uh, you're wrong, but, um, I don't know, man. It's it's incredible. So he had eight. He's had eight matches so far. That's six hundred and eighty-four minutes. He's got ten goals and three assists in that time. That's pretty. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's it's stupid, pretty good. Dude. What else? Kind of funny though. Our crack research team also said that uh, there's been other ball and door winners to play in the Open Cup. Do you know who those are? Can you? I'm um, trivia time. Anybody? Hit us up. Who are the three? There's three. I'll give you three. Three ball and door winners have also played in the U.S. Open Cup which is Man. pretty awesome. You know what? Don't answer me now. We'll give everybody. I'll, I'll say it at the end, but uh, hit us up at ISWT pod on Twitter. Three other ball and door winners have played in the open cup. Yeah. Kaka's got to be one, right? Kaka's in. That's right. Two um, more. One of them has to be historical. We know Ibrahimovic didn't win because he got screwed a bunch of times. <laughs> um, um, or he was, he was just living in the same, same era as uh, two of the greatest players ever. Um, Anyway, there's well, got to be. I'll, I'll yeah, bring it I'll, back. We'll, in our final, yeah, we we'll bring it back in our final thoughts. But uh, Kaka's yeah. one, so you got two more, everybody. All right, let's Pele. just talk a little bit about the Houston game. Houston, according to Ben Olson, said that that was the best they'd played in a long time this season in their three-one win over Real Salt Lake. These two teams play against each other this weekend, which should be pretty fun in Salt Lake. But it was one-one after ninety minutes. Uh, Hector Herrera scored right before halftime, and then uh, they got back into it, Salt Lake. Uh, Anderson Julio got this goal in the 64th minute and it looked like maybe the momentum had shifted even though this game was in Houston but uh, Coco Carasquilla scored a very good goal I have questions on that defending too from Real Salt Lake just lacked a little casual there to let him come in and just hit a good shot and then there was a red card a little bit of a fight a scuffle at the ends uh, Vera got uh, a red card and I could see him getting suspended for for more time with a pretty oh, yeah. violent swing at the end. He had three. He had just, th I mean, not even that. Then he went, yeah, he had like three different red cards. Yeah, then he like went around. Uh, yeah, play. like went on, like did a chokehold on somebody. He he could he could be out for quite a few games. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly suggest going and look at it and give you some context. And then Luis Caicedo finished it off in the 125th minute to make it 3-1. But I agree. There's something about this Houston team. We've talked about them a little bit, Heath. Maybe not giving them their full flowers. It, with mm -hmm. regard to this, but I don't think this is going to be an easy opponent for Inter Miami in the final. Now, the final is, I believe, on September 27th, so we got a little bit of time to break that one down. And there's a lot of games between now and then for both of these clubs, and a lot can change in that time. But uh, I've been pretty impressed with Ben Olsen. Remember when he got yes. hired? And listen, we love Ben Olsen, but he got hired there. We're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's worked out. I mean, he's really, if anything, created an identity that that these guys work and they, they put it in and they've, they've really recruited some talented players. And it seems like they bossy in particular, he had three assists last night. It's been excellent. And, uh, until he got punched until he got punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> right. Right. Until things got a little physical, but, um, I, I, I'm actually quietly surprised with how well Houston Dynamo has been playing this season. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's funny because again, when I recently talked to, to Ben Olsen, his main thing was just about, if you remember Ben Olsen's like peak era at DC United, he was doing a good job. And this was an era within Major League Soccer where um, he was kind of finding the American misfits and putting them into a team, right? Like he was mm -hmm. doing a good job of finding undervalued domestic players. I'm not saying just Americans, but domestic players. And he would put them in and they would, they would build a team around that type of like hard-nosed mentality of sort of being the misfits or the, the outcasts, so to speak, into a team. This one, you know, again, one of the things he was talking to me about is just like how happy he was to have players that um, had a bad year last year having a good year this year. You know, mm -hmm. that's got to be a I, – I, I'm not a coach yet. 
Um, but I've got to imagine that that's got to be a pretty rewarding feeling, right? Yeah. To feel like you come in and you're like, oh, is this guy good or not? Like I've watched him last year. He struggled. And then to get to be able to like squeeze that kind of juice out in a different way is I think a, a pretty – it's got to be a pretty rewarding at least like box to check as, as a coach when those players are then performing and overperforming uh, in a season like this. They're doing – I mean, they're and, and they're fun to watch, by the way. Like it's, they're pretty entertaining. Um, they can beat you in a few different ways. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just hope that people in Houston turn out more because they're a team that I think the way that they play, if once you see them, if you have a real love for that, that stadium should be full. Unfortunately, it's not. But, like, um, they can only prove it over and over again in, 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 their, uh, in their play, you know? Well, I think that uh, the Houston Dynamo fans are rightfully like, what kind of team do we have here, right? I mean, it's got to be more than just one year. They haven't made the playoffs since 2017. They won the Open Cup, though in 2018. So they're aiming to win their second Open Cup title in six years. Now, I thought this was funny from Ben Olsen, who's always very candid in his interviews. He uh, said this uh, after the game last night, the Open Cup journey is a circus. Uh, he wanted uh, Open Cup back in as a player with DC United in 2008 and as a coach in 2013. So he's got some success in this competition. He went on to say, we should have lost in Tampa <laughs> in their first game. Uh, Kansas City got a red card and we skirted by them. Then Minnesota comes in and they got a red card. So the first two or three games, it's a wild ride. Then you get into the quarters and you tighten it up and you go forward. And obviously tonight we put our best foot forward and got the results, which is awesome. I love that. You can kind of see it for what it is and, and isn't afraid mm -hmm. to say, yeah, we maybe should have lost a few games along the way. But it's not weird to have teams, MLS teams in particular, not to take the Open Cup too serious and say like, oh, wow, I found we wow, we're in the quarters. OK, wow, we got ourselves here. Let's uh, start to play our best players and see if we can make a run at it. And that's what Houston's doing. And they looked good. So it's going to be really interesting to see. So let's do this, everybody. Let's just, we got a month. I know we'll obviously break this down in a more formal preview as we get closer. But looking at it right now, and I know, again, I'm going to preface it by saying, I know there's a lot of games and injuries can happen in between now and then. But who do you like to win this one? And, and it's going to be hard to go up against <laughs> Messi, especially at home knowing that he has a chance to win another trophy. But do you think Houston have a chance? Maybe I should, should phrase it like no. that. No, no, not anymore, Jimmy. <laughs> I, had, I had Houston and Cincinnati in my final since the start of the round of 16, okay? I rode that as hard as I could to the detriment of my friendships here in the comments. And uh, apparently that's just me not knowing ball and not just me in my bracket. But like, obviously, this, this is like written in the stars of all these things, even to the point now, Jimmy, where I'm like, I didn't think that they would make the playoffs because they're, they're dead last. And again, unbalanced schedules, you know, every game has a six point sort of potential for a swing other than their game on the third or something like that against LAFC away from home directly, which is their game after the open cup final, they've got a congested schedule, a lot of games. There's no way Messi can play on those. He's going to miss um, a game potentially or two with, with the national team. If he goes in, that all taken into context. But even after that game yesterday, where it's like three minutes in, and I was at the LAFC game last night watching this, first from my car and then from, from the stadium. Even LAFC fans were like, well, we hope that they just continue to win so we can be the first team to beat Miami. You know, like everybody's got that like, like marked off on the calendar as like their big day. Um, but uh, yeah, Listen, it's, uh, I, I can't, I'm done. I'm done saying anything, but like, uh, I'm almost willing to say they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm still not there yet. I, I, for the first 70 minutes of the game yesterday, when Cincinnati was comfortably up to zero, I was actually starting to think through, all right, our, our like our narrative for the, today's show. Okay. Well, Messi finally, he's going to lose his first game at some point, you know, and it's not always going to yeah. work out for him. And Busquets looked like he was dead tired five minutes into that one. And yeah, it was 95 degrees probably when the game kicked off last night. And they played a lot of games and obviously coming in an emotional letdown from the League's Cup. And yet, here we are. Inter-Miami found a way to, to get themselves into the final. And it's very exciting, I think, especially for us here, the CBS Sports family. Because again, as a reminder, and I think you just saw the ad if you're watching on the YouTubes, the final will be September 27th, the DRV Pink Stadium. And that game will be here live at CBS Sports Network, Paramount Plus, K Golasso, Golasso Show. Every every single outlet that we have available, you'll be able to watch this game for free. And that is very exciting. All right, we're going to take our first break of it. Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we'll get into the schedule 
of Inter-Miami, Messi, and uh, Tata Martino's plan B when everything starts to fall apart. And can they make the playoffs? Heath doesn't think so. I'm kind of on the fence. So come back and join us as we dissect more of this. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. All right, welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. As I mentioned before the break, I'm going to say it afterwards. Wednesday, September 27th, the U.S. Open Cup Final will live, will air live, excuse me, on CBS Sports Network and stream on Paramount Plus for a limited time. Get 50% off an annual Paramount Plus plan. That's $2.50 a month for the essential plan or $5 a month for the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. So for 12 months, which is uh, pretty awesome. Try it for free, though. Here we have a little... uh, QR code at the top right corner if you're watching on the YouTubes. And if you're not, then just go find it on the old internets. I think they can probably figure it out pretty quickly. All right. So now we've talked about Leo Messi in two different competitions. Heath, Leagues Cup champion, Open Cup finalist, potential champion. We both think that they're probably, he's going to be another champion. He's going to win two trophies within the first, what, two, two or three months of his MLS career. But what about MLS itself? Because they are the worst team and they were winless in their last 11 matches in in Mm -hmm. league competition. And they have not won an MLS match since May 13th. But things have changed. However, as you mentioned before, they've got eight games in 32 days. And that's eight games, 32 days. That's a lot. Now, Tata said before the Open Cup, Tata Martino, head coach of Inter Miami, said as long as Messi doesn't mention anything, he's going to keep playing. That's that's crazy lock, talk. Lock your door. You know, yeah. if, if you're a Tata Martino, eh. just keep your door locked. You know, I didn't hear from him. I didn't hear. I'd be fine. My voice, my voicemail box is full. <laughs> if he says he left me a voicemail, he's lying. You know, so, like. and th- well, that was before the Open Cup semifinal. Afterwards, Tata said, "From this point forward, we will evaluate how we approach these next three games." And the first game of these three is the New York Red Bulls in New York. Now, how do you think Red Bull fans <laughs> will react if he doesn't play? Tickets are starting at three hundred and forty-three dollars. Yeah. I'll tell you, right? What the moment he said that, there was a, just a big gulp from every like marketing team in the league, going like, "Welp, uh, <laughs> let's just hope that uh, it's not our game." Because when I like, like I said, I was at the Gal- I was at the the LAFC game yesterday when they put a <laughs> an absolute beating on Colorado from start to finish, but four uh, zero. Right. Um, no, right. one four zero. Um, I think I'm right. Is it? Is that Don't what it does? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is, um, and, um, but at that stadium, they're already talking about sort of the messy mania, right? Of like how chaotic it's going to be the added security, the fact that they they're worried people are going to try to like run into the stadium and just like run through and like the amount of like that level of magnitude, it is like, it's like Lionel Messi and uh, Taylor Swift are like <laughs> the two, Swift. like, <laughs> like the resale, like they are, they are driving like the GDP of like small countries when they come into towns <laughs> uh, right now of just people wanting to see them and find a way to be part of it. That you don't want to be the team that ends up being the one where like he is. Remember, I go back to that 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 Argentina game in Giant Stadium that uh, in two thousand eight where he d- wasn't in the starting lineup. They said. That's not in the contract. Then magically, after warmups, he was in the starting lineup in the walkout for us. He played one half, and they took him off. And like that to me was enough because I can say, "Hey, I played against Messi." But like <laughs> the people in the stadium that that maybe you know 
because you use marketing materials or whatever, that could have been a really disappointing day if all you got to see was Mascarano and Cunaguero and you know, like right, the other right. superstars of the world. Like, right. but they're not the greatest, you know. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Tata Martino and Leo Messi will ultimately decide to do. They play the Red Bulls this weekend. Then they have Inter, or excuse me, they'll be in Miami uh, against Nashville, who they played in the League's Cup final. I could see them sitting that one out, to be honest. And then they go to L.A. and take on LAFC, as you mentioned, before heading back. Then they have a week break before they take on Sporting Kansas City. My Sporting Kansas yeah. City back in Miami. I think that I could see them sitting out that Nashville game. The problem is they need all the points that they possibly can get to get in the league, uh, playoffs, that is. And so taking a night off doesn't really help the cause. But because they already got to play against Nashville, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, because because his contract, he, he says, I have to play everybody once, you know, something like, uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder. And then I mean, I could see him not starting. Let me say it like this. I, maybe even this weekend against New York. So for all the fans that are taking a big gulp, if he doesn't start, I could see him still coming off the bench and playing 30 minutes and probably doing something special in those 30 minutes. You won't get your full money's worth, but you might get some. Uh, so, <laughs> they so can run around the field and kick balls into the stands. Fans, <laughs> yeah. You know, he could do one of those t-shirt machines yeah. where he could fire t-shirts into the crowd. It would be amazing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I wonder how they're going to balance that because obviously if you want him to stay as sharp as possible, he, he needs some rest. I know that we think he's a robot in a lot of different ways, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So thinking about, Messi, or with let's say life without Messi, it, Miami's just not as good. You can you get Jordi Alba and you got Busquets, and they're going to help move the game along and help you transition from defense to attack and, and do it in a smooth way. And I think that Messi has obviously elevated the performances of a lot of others. Robert Taylor, in particular, stands out. Uh, Campana, you know, obviously going to be <laughs> on the end of some Kramoski, another one, one Ben, yeah, yeah, Benjamin. Kramowski, who we're going to get into his potential call up to the U.S. men's national team here in a second. But but what do you do? And then with Argentina, has got a couple Comey Bowl World Cup qualifiers. They play Ecuador at home and then Bolivia away, which would conflict with the uh, Sporting Kansas City and Atlanta games that are coming up in the schedule. I I I thought he retired from the national team. Is he is he still going to go help them qualify, or is he playing the Copa America next summer? He's got to be playing Copa America next summer. Yeah, there's got to be like that reinvigoration. Yep. Like, why? What's like he's won it all now, and now the edge is off. I would I I I would see him going through 2026. You know, on some role. Be but, silly but, not to to come here and not be part of all of that. I mean, I know there's more to it than that. Like, what do you, you give wanna, the guy that has everything? You know, like uh, wouldn't you want to end you, your World Cup career like on a, winning the World Cup? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but also like now he's in the U.S. 2026. I will say like, this. Maybe you know. we discussed it before, Heath, but I want to bring it back because I think it's important. When I watch him play now, he looks like he's having a lot of fun. Yeah, and and he's got a smile on his face, and I can't tell you how important that is for for a player to, especially in his, this point in his career where he's gone through so much and dealt with so much, especially contrasting what happened in Paris with PSG where he looked like he was miserable. Yeah. He yeah. was playing with Mbappe and, and Neymar and arguably surrounded by some of the best players in the world, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee happiness, especially if he's going home and his family's miserable and they all just look like they're having the best time. And that's awesome. And I think that's going to really show and it already yeah. has shown on the field, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Cause I think, it's a great job. Just in terms of, of mental health, right? I mean, I know that we don't really dive into that side of it too much, even though it's a, it's, it's a topic that I think is very important. His mental health looks fantastic right now. And, and listen, they haven't lost yet. So, and, and he's not, he's, he's getting closer to that, that really difficult MLS grind. It's, it's, it's coming. Yeah. And I think he can start to feel it a little bit. And so we, we haven't seen him get frustrated. We haven't seen him throw up his arms every three seconds like Thierry Henry there for a while, which I called Thierry Henry. Out. I called him out on that in an interview on kick TV a long time ago. And Henry wouldn't answer my question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he held a grudge against me for like the next year. I absolutely loved it. But yeah. uh, you got to love TT. No, I mean, it, you're, you're, you're totally right. I think the and I had, I had tweeted it at some point too. And, and it wasn't like a tweet for like, you know, vanity metric type tweet. It was the fact that like, seeing somebody play at the top of their game and you actually see this in, 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 in other sports, but soccer can be so serious at times because it's this fluid type of game of margins, right? Baseball, basketball game of averages, you know, uh, 
in terms of seasons, in terms of matches played and all of that, you, you're just constantly playing games. Uh, football just has a lot more of that kind of ego involved where you see that there's a lot of seriousness as well, but you see smiles and you're also behind helmets. And then uh, to soccer, you just don't see a lot of that joy. We saw that with Ronaldinho and now to see that with Messi while he's playing at the top of his game, having fun, it just brings to life, like it humanizes this like guy who is just like so far beyond our understanding that I just, I, I think it's great inspiration for somebody to see somebody playing at that level, entertaining, but also like not making it just about like serious, get the job done and actually taking a moment because, you know, there's times that I look back on my career, Jimmy, and maybe you feel the same where I just wish that I would have just like not been caught in the emotions of a game and just actually been like, man, this is fun. Like how lucky am I? And you do that occasionally, but like, there's also this like, side of you that's like don't let any of this into your brain when you're playing a game right because this will like relax you or it's a weakness and to have somebody do it at that level i think it's just fun if you're a kid that's being inspired that's on the edge of like do i want to play anymore and you see somebody who's been doing it as long as he had smiling i don't know that's got to be it's got to be uh motivating on some 100 100 so i guess the big question is this if leo messi rests what happens what's what's the team look like i actually thought it was pretty telling when Taylor didn't start last night, Kromaski didn't start last night, and they went with Mota, who who I like, uh, number seven for Inter Miami, but he's coming off of coming back from an injury he hadn't played since April. He's going to probably fill in if Messi has to step out. But I thought the team looked better when Taylor and Kromaski were were both in the eleven. And you got Busquets in there, you know, you got Joseph Martinez. He actually didn't start last night either. And, and when he comes on, it's a different look. And this is a Joseph Martinez, by the way. Now, if you want to talk about playing with a smile on his face, that dude is magic when he's happy. And when he, he really is. And he's hungry and he's got that bite and that fight. Now that the responsibility in a lot of ways is taken off of his shoulders, he's just kind of on the receiving end, just make good hard runs. And he's got players that can find him the ball in those, those spaces. They become a lot different. And I think that if, if Messi had to sit out three or four games, that, that would be a problem. I could see teams being able to figure them out. But if it's just for a game or for 60 minutes because Messi's going to come on for the last 30, I don't really see Inter-Miami missing a beat. And that's why I think that they could scrape into the playoffs because they just have this momentum that even one loss I don't think is going to slow them down. If they had a manager that was Phil Neville-esque and didn't know exactly what he was doing and didn't know how to manage his players in the best way, that's something different. Mm-hmm. But Tata Martino clearly knows this league inside and out, obviously had success with Atlanta United. He looks like he's having a great time too. And it, it helps when you're winning games and you're winning these trophies <laughs> and you're having success, everything's easy. But Dude, the weird thing is, is the way that they've gotten results and granted they have, again, we don't need to mention the names of who they've added to make them a completely different type of team. But I go back to my 2010 season where, you know, we set three or four records in, in MLS. We ended up losing an MLS cup uh, against Colorado Rapids, but um, Dude, how did that happen? A neutral venue. <laughs> and the fact that like, you know, what you're seeing from Gary Smith now with, with Nashville in terms of just batting down the hatches like that, that's what, uh, that's what they did on us. Except it was like minus 10 in Toronto. No, I was um, at the game. It was freezing. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but when the, the, the point I was trying to get to is like, we were 10 points after 10 games. Right. And we'd come off the season before where I'd gotten to the team. We had five games left in the season. We had to win all five to make the playoffs. We won four last, the f- lost the fifth one that if we won, we would have gotten into the playoffs. Like it was a run of, you know, 15 point swing basically to get into yeah, the playoffs. Right. Um, lost to Seattle, didn't get in next season, 10 points after 10 games, not great, not bad. And we just came together and started to grind these results. We ended up going, I think it was 19 games um, unbeaten, but what ended up happening is there was this belief where we'd be down one nil in the 90th minute and Breck Shea, Eric Avila, Dax McCarty, Eric Alexander, somebody would come up with a play, Jeff Cunningham, somebody would just come up with a play. And as we did that after 10 games, there's this belief that ah, it's 88th minute. You're not that worried one, because you have the weapons that can deliver. And obviously Miami has unbelievable weapons, but two, this belief that like, you've got the luck on your side. You've got like, you are, you are, playing with the 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 tailwinds and there is a mentality that you tap into like that psychological side that you think you can beat anybody even when you're losing you're like oh we're not losing this game we're down one nil and it's the 80th minute like we've got something in us and that manifests itself in results and that's that creates a really 
dangerous thing to, 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 to play against or coach against because, you know, the San Jose's of the world had it at one point where they like, you know, the bash brothers and whatever, um, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. like, uh, or the Goonies, sorry, that like, knew Never say exactly die. like, yeah, yeah, that, that they could score on you at any given time. Like, that's the kind of thing that you, you can't coach against it. It's a weird, like kind of magic and they've got that right now. And that is a really dangerous thing when you add that to the talent pool that they have. And like you said, they could play in a back four, they can play in a back five right now. They're mm-hmm. finding versatility and results in that. Like that's a really hard thing to stop. So when you think that, when you say that, I know you're on the fence. You don't know if Miami can get into the playoffs. I think that they will. Are you, are you going to buy, are you going to drink your own Kool-Aid and buy your own argument and that they, they they're going to have enough to get in? I mean, some things are going to have to go their way. Some things are going to have to go their way, things they can't control, other games. Because, again, the way the schedules work is that you're not playing – they're only playing one more Western Conference game that's a toss-up for points, right? The rest of it are these – can be monumental swings within um, within the table yeah. in, in, in theory, right? So one team wins, one less game to play. They go up three points. You don't get any points. Like that's – like it's constant within, within the conference. Um, and so that's the hard part. The other thing is, is that some teams just want a point, and that hasn't existed in his right, you, time. You have to have a winner within right? the tournaments, right? Yeah, you have yeah. to have a winner. And a team needing a point and being able to see that out and do other things is very different than the last gasp goal that that maybe gets you draws you level that gets you into the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Right, right. It's a lot more about season management and and whatnot. And then you add that to again his load management, the team's load management, and the international break, and all that stuff. I'm on the fence on that. I'm not saying yes yet. Um, maybe when it's the last day of the season, I'll shift, Jimmy. But like, I still think that that that's the difference between that and these other competitions, which they've clearly mastered um, and are and are playing unbelievably at. Well, due to the success of Inter Miami in these multiple competitions, not the league, we'll see if that turns around. Some of their players are getting noticed by the U.S. Men's National Team and their head coach Greg Berhalter. There's been a 50-man provisional roster that has been uh, thrown out there. We don't have all of the names, but we do know some of them, including DeAndre Yedlin is in that 50-man provisional. We have Drake Callender, who I think has been excellent, obviously in penalties as well, having a lot of confidence back there and, and uh, excited to see how he continues to progress. And then Benjamin Kramaski, the 18-year-old for Inter Miami, who has played a little bit with our U-20s, has played a little bit with Argentina's U-20s. Both of his parents were born in Argentina. Leo Messi is now trying to recruit him for Argentina. I don't think we're going to win that battle, to be honest with you, Heath. I think that Kramaski could be like, ah, Messi says I should play for Argentina. I'm going to play for Argentina. However, I do think it's a smart move by the U.S. to just bring him into the fold. I hope that he actually makes the 25-man roll. Let's just say it goes to half of 50 to 25. Just bring him in. Give him a little taste. Now, we're also hearing with regard to this provisional roster that uh, some players that are trying to integrate into their new clubs or new situations will not be called in for these two games or might have injuries. So this is Oman and Uzbekistan, these two games that are coming up. And I think that's going to delay, based on Gio Reyna being hurt, the reunion of Greg Berhalter and Gio Reyna at a camp for, for the U.S. men's national team. Now, Edin Tursich, the manager of Borussia Dortmund, has said that things are looking positive for Gio Reyna. He's back in training in some limited capacity. He probably won't play against Bochum this weekend, and he probably will sit out the international break. That way he can get back to full health and be available afterwards. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, that's what I'm picking up from from their statement. And uh, yeah, so I'm interested. Apparently this, this, this roster will be dropped on August 30th. We'll see if that happens or not. And of course, we'll have a podcast ready to go to break it all down for everybody. But... Keith, what are you saying about let's just talk about Kromaski? I, I think Calendar will get the call in. Yedlin, who knows? He's been around. I don't know if I need to see any more DeAndre Yedlin. I appreciate his service to the team. But let's let's talk Kromaski. Do you think he's good enough to be called in? And and then subsequently, do you think we should try to cap him as soon as possible so we don't lose him to Argentina? I mean, he's 18. He's still I think he's still eligible as he's an 05 for the next U20 World Cup. So like he's I can't a guy believe that he's an 05, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a ton of upside, and we're just seeing that. We didn't see much of that yet, and now it's all coming to life, right? But that's what the potential of him was. He had been touted for a long time, which is why he was signed at such a young age. Um, and knowing that he was had dual citizenship, that's a personal choice. He's not good enough to play for Argentina now, but we're seeing things about his game. Like He's a guy that we're seeing take not massive strides that we didn't 
predict or see, but massive strides in real time between a, a young kid with potential and like he's going to need some years to being like, oh yeah, he's actually, he's he's taking steps up in his game uh, in terms of consistency, decision-making, you know, quality on the ball, quality off the ball, like that type of thing. You're seeing those strides happen that you can go, oh, okay, this guy's riding a wave of 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 fulfilling potential that he could get to that point, you know, as a young 18-year-old. I think the U.S. should try to get him in um, he's not quite there yet and you don't have to rush it, but I certainly wouldn't do it for the sake of getting him, like keeping him. And I don't think Argentina is going to do it for the, I mean, for the sake of keeping him, um, they're going to bring him in because he's still got a ways to go. Um, and he could be good enough to play for Argentina. Let's not forget like Argentina doesn't have after this world cup, they're all at huge clubs, but it wasn't like Argentina, Uruguay. They're not usually full of players that top to bottom and 26 players are all playing at like the biggest clubs in the world. You know, they do have some tiered players that aren't right, just like right. the best 23 at the best 20, you know, five clubs in the world. So I don't want to, I don't want people to like mistake that it's like Argentina world champions. Every one of those guys is, you know, a, you know, top three club in, in, in every league that, that wasn't the case pre world cup. Yeah. I'm very curious to see just his trajectory. Let's just leave the national team and who he's going to play for out of it. Just Kramaski's development and evolution in particular, obviously it's going to get, accelerated in my humble opinion being around the Busquets and Jordi Alba's and Messi's of the world and playing with confidence and winning games and obviously scoring big penalties to get his teams into the next round and to win competitions is only going to build on to uh well, confidence is a hell of a drug anyway we're going to take our second and last break of in soccer we trust we're going to talk a little Fuller and Balogun we're going to talk Serginho Dest and apparently Charlie Davies is here to talk with us so do not go anywhere Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust, and look who has decided to grace us with his presence. It's Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. What's up, Chuck? You, you know what's hilarious to me? What's up? Is that yesterday I made the producer, producer Des, aware that I would be at the Cape, that I'm coming back from Stanford on two hours of sleep, that I was willing to get on the show and be committed. <laughs> and you know what he said? Oh, you're not going to be in your home studio with a mic. Um, the sound quality's not great. And here I am looking at Heath with his AirPods on. So, no, this. that's a – you see this? You see this? That's a real mic, buddy. That's a real mic. That's a real mic. You're using it's called a lav mic, my friend. Phone. You're cracking when you talk right now. I you're, hear you you're cracking, cracking out – Cracking out the building like you're eating I, Rice Krispies I, while you talk I'm, right I'm, now with those headphones, I was, dude. I was fired up. Absolutely yeah. fired up. Fired, fired up so fired. much that you're cracking through those AirPods <laughs> because I got I got an actual mic on right now because, you know, professionalism is not a location. It's a it's it's a mentality. Chuck, it's a mentality, you know I mean? Chuck. It's a mentality. Uh, oh, I, I didn't know because I only had two hours of sleep. Um, uh, so here we go. Yeah, here my we go. bad. I went from... Hey. Uh, one o'clock ending of a show hey, to starting hey, at five a.m. Just because the guys at the airport take a couple hours off, so you can't fly out of the private jet at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning directly Come home because because the airport's closed is not my fault. You're not telling me you have a car or a driver that can and you can sleep in the back while that's happening. I, I find that very far fetched and hard to believe. <laughs> He's Come got on, a Sprinter Chuck. van with a driver. Exactly you know right. I mean? Yeah, just because he just because he liked the movie he was watching, and didn't didn't sleep until he was halfway home. <laughs> I get his, it's tough to sleep when someone's massaging your feet. You know what I mean, Chuck? Yeah, we we understand true. how it goes. That's true. All right, let's talk a little Fuller and Balogun, and Chuck will come to you as our resident number nine. You like this move? <laughs> so, Matt said Chuck pays people to sleep for him. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But as our resident number nine, Chuck Wagon, what are you saying? Do you like this move for for Flo to Monaco? I, I like any move for Phil at this point because he's obviously not going to play. He's not in the plans at Arsenal. So given that Gabby Jesus was injured, that this could be a good opportunity to see what he can do in the English Premier League. Arteta still refused to give him his chance. So at this point, you're just saying, let me leave. Let me go. Don't price me out of a move that makes sense. And if he were to go to Chelsea perhaps or Tottenham, London rivals, they're going to raise the price. So mm -hmm. you, you basically cancel them out of a move in the English Premier League. And then Milan was uh, Inter Milan was interested. They, they basically priced him out of that. So now Monaco is coming back in for him, and he's already had success in, in Liga. Let him, let him go. Just let, let the man go. Let him play. So 
Monaco would be still be a great move for him. Yeah, I mean, Monaco's obviously got a long history of developing players and then moving them on to big clubs. Fabinho, I don't know why Fabinho jumps to mind. You have Kylian Mbappe, of course, is probably the biggest name. But uh, yeah, I think that would be a good one. And he's comfortable in the league. And I think if he b- scores a bunch of goals, I think it's a good move as well. Heath, uh, not necessarily as a resident number nine, but as a resident Arsenal fan, how are you feeling about this move? I, I just can't stop. It's like Chuck's got one of those old jackass camcorders that he's holding right now, you know, where his arm's missing. He's doing a home video. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Charlie Davies, and you're watching Jackass. Uh, um, hey, yeah, no. <laughs> wait for this cool, this cool stunt I got. I'm about to and this is a double back. Here. This is a double backflip off the roof. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I wonder what Chuck's thoughts are, just in terms of you know when he went from the streak that Chuck was on, Hammerby to the national team to so show. Like, do you think there's a little bit of disappointment for for Flo in terms of like? It's a big club. It's a good club, but it's also an unpredictable one in terms of like price tag. It's one of the, you know, obviously it, you're ruled out by a lot of clubs and what their needs are for his age and what he's proven that it's hard to get a move at that price. But do you think there's a little bit of disappointment in terms of where he wanted to go versus what's available? Yeah, I think the little bit of disappointment is doing so well in Liga and, and having showed that you can have success at a top professional club and then not getting the opportunity when you come back to your parent club. And I think in his mind, he was at least going to get a chance to show what he's capable of in the English Premier League, especially with Gabby Jesus injured. So that's the disappointment, I think, from the onset. Then you're saying, okay, if you're not going to play me, let me at least go to a top club. I feel like I've deserved that. And then getting priced out of that move, you, you now at this point, you're just desperate to leave. And we saw with Tyler Adams, the desperation was going to lead him initially to Chelsea. He wasn't going to be anywhere near first choice, but he was willing to sacrifice leaving the championship to go to a top club like Chelsea and, and work his way into the first team. And I think Balogun's in a position where, hey, Monaco, if they want me this bad and they're going to pay a hefty price, I'm going to play. I'm in Liga, a league I'm very familiar with, and it's a top club. There, I'll make the big jump to a, a, another massive club if if I do well, which he's expecting to do well. All right, let's now then pivot over to another striker in our player pool, Ricardo Pepe. I have free Pepe behind me because the guy scored a hat trick against Monaco, the team we're talking about, in a behind closed door friendly. And I don't know what else he can do. I mean, that's awesome. So I'm excited for him. He was an unused substitute in their 2-2 draw against Rangers in a Champions League qualifier at Ibrox in Glasgow. Now, he's got Luke de Jong. I watched that game. Luke de Jong's in front of him. Luke de Jong, captain, long history of uh, scoring big goals in, in multiple competitions in different leagues around the world. So I could see why it might be a little bit hard to break into the team. That said, I'm glad that he's showing his stuff uh, when he has the opportunity, even if it's in a behind closed doors friendly. Now, I want you guys to both jump in on this. And Heath, I'm going to come to you first as our resident left back because Serginio Dest, who just made a loan move from Barcelona to PSV, Started at left back against Rangers in the 2-2 draw. And he seemed to be okay. They, they were talking about Peter Bosch, the, the manager of PSV, said he asked him at halftime if, if he could go anymore. And he's like, yeah, I feel fine. So they left him in for a little bit. He, he I thought he looked pretty solid, all things considered. I actually thought he was going to be not as sharp as he was. So I'm, I'm excited that not only was he ready to go, but that they actually started him and played him and trusted him in such a big game. And now I'm curious to see how it looks in leg two because it's always difficult to go to Glasgow. But uh, thoughts on Serginho Dest. And if you want to chime in on Pepe, do that too. No, I, th- I think it's a, again, we've been kind of clamoring for this type of move for Serginho Dest because he had such a short run at Ajax before he started his sort of quick ascension that was obviously too big of a leap for him as a player developmentally in terms of the pressures and the consistency you have to have as a young player. To go back into a league that prefers, like my dream as a, as a, as a young left back was to always get to the Dutch league uh, and one of those clubs because you play in an attacking system that plays into his his style of play in a 4-3-3 where you're high and wide, good starting positions. It's more of a transitional game defensively instead of having to sit back. I think it's great for them. Clearly, they have a need for him, so they get him in right away. Um, and he came from the Dutch system. There's a comfort there, right, that I think that you can l- give him the benefit of the doubt over maybe other guys that have to come in and sort of learn more of that system. So I think it's a great, great move. Hopefully it, it leads to a permanent one where we can just see Serginho Dest for two seasons 
inch closer to the player that we know he could be than the player that we just see constant flashes of. Um, and that's just consistent games, which he hasn't had a run at. So I'm super happy about that. Uh, Pepe is a hard one just because, again, the Luke de Jong thing is is hard. I mean, Luke de Jong still a goal scorer. And this is a guy that uh, won the Europa League. Uh, he you know, spent time at Barcelona. It's, like, it's not like a, just a random guy who's in his 30s, not too old, not too young. So hopefully there's room there to get Pepe some run of games. Um, but that's the hardest part with a lot of those teams playing with a single striker. He's going to have to find a way. I mean, we saw him get some of that sort of, you know, withdrawn winger stuff when he was at Augsburg, but it's going to be a tough go for him. But as long as he keeps scoring, he's going to get his games. Yeah. Let's get to your thoughts on, on uh, Pepe, Charlie Davies. It's a great move for him because yeah, he has to work his way into the squad, but I think it, it it takes the pressure away from playing at a club like PSV because Luke De Jong's there. It's a, he's a good understudy um, for Luke De Jong. And eventually you're going to get the opportunity to play over Luke De Jong. So I like the com- competition aspect of it. I like the, the learning aspect from watching a, a veteran striker like Luke De Jong, who's played and had success internationally and at the club level across Europe. So um, it's a good spot for him to develop and then, eventually take the reins from Luke Dion. All right. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. I hope that there's room for him. Hopefully him and Luke Dion playing at the same time. We can bring the two strikers back. I don't think that's a bad thing at some point. Looking at you, Peter Bosch, the manager of PSV. Now, I promised some previews. Looking forward to this weekend's actions. Now there's some big news from USL. The San Diego Loyal are going to cease operations. We're going to get into that in a second. But we'll just go quickly around the horn of, of Americans that are playing and and – the one matchup where I got two, but you guys can maybe jump on one of them, is is Christian Pulisic and AC Milan heading to Torino. Obviously, Pulisic coming off a man of the match performance for Milan in his first one. Torino, though, seemed to have Milan's number over the last couple games. They beat him in the Coppa Italia last year. Games are really close and tight, and I expect this one to be the same, so I'm curious to see what it looks like. And then, obviously, him making his San Siro debut, uh, Pulisic, will be r- really cool, and I'm, I hope that he's going to do well. The other one, though, which I probably you guys will be paying attention to, with Tim Ream out for Fulham. Fulham and Arsenal go after each other. I was at this fixture last year, and Arsenal came back to win 2-1. But Anthony Robinson versus Bukayo Saka, I think, is going to be a hell of a matchup for him in particular. So those are the two matchups that I'm kind of looking at from an American perspective. Uh, Heath, any, anything that jumps out at you? Um, I mean, for me, I, I'm focused on Josh Sargent just because I don't want him to get lost in the shuffle. He's obviously found his form really early on. There's some comments about just, again, what his upside could be for the team. So him continuing to kind of get in a run of, of scoring goals and challenge into that player pool for the national team, knowing that we're, what, I guess a week out from announcing maybe, maybe right. a little around that. So he's just more of the player that I'm, I'm going to be watching this weekend and just really wanting to see. Hopefully by this weekend too, we get some sort of information on on Florin Balogun. But for me, it's just about I'm looking through the lens of the national team and sort of what we need and trying to get that group settled and Gio, Gio Reyna back in training as well. So that's one that I don't know if he's really ready for time this weekend, but to have him back in training, hopefully that leads to him going into the national team or we see a little bit of something. Um, always worried about injuries with him. Yeah, looking forward to Josh Sargent continuing to bang in the goals to make it even more difficult to pick who should be our starting number nine, even though Ballingan, I think, has the lead, even though he hasn't played recently. How about you, Chuck? Any big games for you this weekend you're looking at? I just want to say much love to Heath. I love you, Heath. I love you, Jimmy. You guys. Love you, love I, you too, man. I, I came all this way to make sure I was a part of this show. And um, uh, for me, same thing. Pull him Arsenal. waking up tomorrow morning early for that. Um, it, it's going to be good to see what Andy Robinson can do against Bakayo Saka, given that he already shut him down in the World Cup. So this is a, a, a re, we're going to re, rerun, rematch, and see how that goes. But um, yeah, I mean, I, getting to see Inter Miami uh, yesterday, um, as well as Houston and, and RSL, I know you guys already touched on that, but I think just, man, what a, what a U.S. Open Cup final that we're about to have on September 27th. Uh, so, it's great just for that competition. It's it's given it like life again. It's probably the best case scenario for U.S. Open Cup because now you're seeing like teams are going for they they want it. Teams want silverware. It's like play your best players to get to the end. Um, so I'm all about that. And uh, yeah, 
it's good good to be back on the pod. Thanks for no, having me. No, it's just great. It's good having you. <laughs> Thanks for having me as a guest. Special, special guest. Oh, and and uh, I want your final thought as, when we get there to be about uh, the yeah. new show, Kicking It, that you are doing with Clint and, and Mo and Kate. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is some breaking news that's happening. I want to get into that because I want your guys' thoughts. The San Diego Loyal, who are in the USL Championship, are going to seize operations, as I mentioned before, following this season. Uh, apparently, after a viable near and long-term stadium solution in the market did not materialize, the franchise rights will be transferred, the league said. So whoever had those transfer rights, they're going to go somewhere else, and they're going to try to prop it up in a, in a city. Now, this is kind of a different way of saying, well, MLS came into this market with different owners. They got the stadium solution that they needed. There was no room for USL. That's another way to look at this. And we've seen this already happen in St. Louis. And we saw it happen in Cincinnati, I, I think, as well, that when an MLS franchise got named, the USL team ceased to exist. And in St. Louis in particular, they, there's a two-year gap between when the USL team ended when MLS started. Now everything seems crazy, or gravy, I should say, because MLS, uh, that the St. Louis City team has been excellent and the support's been awesome. But it is really sad because when I think about San Diego Loyal, I believe that they've done everything right. They've built an incredibly loyal fan base, pardon the, the pun there, and and I don't see the only thing that they didn't have was to take that 6,000 seat stadium that they're in and go find another one that has 10, 15,000 seats and start to expand and evolve in a normal, natural way. And they proved their self in the market. And now they're out. They're getting uh, squeezed. He, he, he doesn't feel that way. All right, Heath, get into it then. What do you say? I, I just think it's a lot more complicated than that in terms of uh, Landon Donovan and, 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 and a group put together an MLS bid that uh, was contingent on that soccer city in San Diego or whatever it was called. Um, so I think the viability becomes, I don't think the loyal were sustainable as a USL team without having, you know, the viable economics behind that, because you're not part of your, 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 a team. You're not a franchise model in the same way that MLS is connected to the league itself. And so I do think that's a byproduct of that, but it is also a result of not having a long-term solution for your own fan base that it starts to cannibalize and those types of things. I think those two things are inseparable, but take MLS out of that, it was still going to be on San Diego Loyal to find some of these strategic pillars that would give them a foundation for long-term success in the U.S.'s you know, second division. Um, I mean, why, hard. why did, how did the, well, how come they didn't find it before where they just, was it just being comfortable? And then, cause it seems like they've been, well, what you hear now, and obviously this is in hindsight that they've been working hard to try to find something. But at that point, MLS feels like they've already gotten in with different owners that had already. Well, similarly, tapped, this was like Snapdragon stadium where San Diego state plays and so on. I mean, New York Cosmos were trying to do the same thing for a long time in in, in New York, right? Before uh, before the uh, NYCFC came in with a bid, and obviously for cities, there's a lot of um, lobbying and politics that go into making a stadium deal happen or making a deal happen that brings some sort of benefit to the city. Uh, and when you think about San Diego and all of its suburbs and trying to solve all of that, I think it's a it's it's a huge challenge that. People just think it's like a matter of coming into a city being like, I'm going to give you uh, a couple hundred million and I'm going to build a stadium there. And I'm going to buy that land. There's just all there's so much more that goes into yeah, of course, it. Of course, of course. That it's just it's it's a huge challenge. And I don't think it's for a lack of effort for 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 San Diego, but the timing of it and probably the inability to execute within that timing and somebody else coming in um, over the top and, and and establishing their brand and their name with those solutions is probably, you know, if you're the the, the the financier or whoever's backing that makes it a really difficult project to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so, so I don't not, know enough about it, but, but you're looking at this very unemotionally and I respect that. No, do I think feel, it's horrible. It's you feel bad for, for San Diego. Okay. I just want to make sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I feel, I feel really bad for, for that fan base. You know, they've worked really hard. I know a lot of people that work there um, and are part of that and loved being part of like building it. That's a community based team that's that's done a lot of work within the community and a lot of good in the community creating more opportunities you know it's not just about the product on the field it's the product off the field right and 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 building relationships and building a destination for for fans and 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 you know again building a love for the sport within these communities it goes so far beyond just putting your 11 on the field and putting an entertaining product out um so it does it does suck and and uh, for those fans and, and it's really unfortunate. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to reading more. It didn't seem like I, I couldn't find a lot of information about it right now um, of what it all means. 
but but clearly um that's a lot of squeeze um coming from a, from a from a new team in the market for sure yeah we'll get into it as more information gets uh, out there more details emerge but uh, sad news as it as it i mean cuz there's there's so many people in these different markets that are outside of MLS that are working so hard to grow the game in their respective communities. And now that MLS is coming there, you'd like to think that everybody's going to work together and it's going to be harmonious, but it doesn't always work out that way. Business is business at the end of the day. But again, we'll get into it more. Maybe we'll get somebody from the San Diego Loyal, maybe even Landon Donovan to come on and, and talk to us, give us some more insights about what it means from their perspective as they live it on the ground. All right, that is it. That is the end of the show, but we're going to do final thoughts. And Heath, I'll just take this one because Chuck isn't here, but uh, there's a new show that's dropping on CBS Sports. It's called Kicking It. It's a weekly soccer show featuring Kate, Abdu, Clint Dempsey, Charlie Davies, and Mo Adu. And the first guest it's happening on September 20th is Thierry Henry. No, hmm. uh, no, no one other than Thierry Henry. And they're just going to be kicking it. They're having great interviews and telling some stories. And it looks awesome. If you haven't seen the trailer for it. Uh, it is going to be a really special show and we're really excited about it and happy for Chuck to be involved, but uh, he's not even here to give him his own self-promotion. So that that's my, my final thought. Any, any for you, Heath? Um, final thoughts for me. Hopefully Eunice Musa plays this weekend. Yeah. That'd be um, cool. Even, and, even uh, off the bench would be fine. I'd take it. And, and also appreciate everybody in the comments coming after us as if we're like anti-Messi or anti-Miami. We'd love to see them succeed, you know, yes, that way. We're going to ride it. We're going to ride that messy way for as long as we possibly can. All right, that's it. So on behalf of producer Dez, producer Alex, and Charlie, who lost his connection in his luxurious Cape Cod house, I don't know how that's possible when you should have the best Wi-Fi It's ever. probably the underground basketball court. It's like, you know, sub, <laughs> the, subterranean basketball the bowl, court. The bowl, right next hard, to his bowling alley, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, it's hard, a little hard it, sometimes. It's hard. It's hard. we got to give him the benefit of the doubt, everybody. And, of course, Heath and myself, thank you. For all your support for In Soccer We Trust, and we will see you next week. Have a great weekend. Later.